40 Futures is a speculative fiction series about the criminal justice system, written and read by Jason Taché. Sheriff squanders sensitive data to save budget. Edensville. After an unexpectedly lively county council meeting last night, council members are left looking for answers, and the sheriff is on the ropes. A routine presentation of county department audit results at last night's Union County Council meeting unearthed a previously unreported contract between the county sheriff's office and a technology company that was costing the department millions of dollars. That is, before the sheriff traded away the county's data. In a quid pro quo deal, the data was traded for lower payments to Lightforce LLC, a law enforcement technology company. This included all data processed by Lightforce, according to the renegotiated contract. Going beyond publicly accessible information, like arrest records, the trade included data not accessible under public records law, like arrested people's medical histories, information about children and confidential informants, and extensive human resources data about department employees. Insult to injury, Sheriff Richard Kelly, who was present for the meeting, indicated that his department did not tell the people identified in the data that it would be sold. It is unclear what legal authority, if any, the sheriff's office had to make such a trade. You gave away our citizens' data, sensitive data, said Councilman Manny Lopez Garcia to Kelly. That wasn't yours to trade. Last night's scene unfolded when County Auditor Darlene Hicks presented her routine audits for three departments, including the sheriff's. Council members' attention was piqued in the whitewashed room at the county courthouse when Hicks began to explain that, for years, budget overruns in the sheriff's department were due to deputy overtime pay and a contract with Lightforce. While there was little articulated concern about the overtime costs, Council Chairwoman Helen Garland latched onto the aggressive repayment terms the sheriff's office originally agreed to six years ago. When the chairwoman pressed Hicks on whether or not these terms were normal, Hicks responded that she had never seen such aggressive terms in her 17 years with the county. That's an awfully reckless way to play with taxpayer money during a recession, Garland said. We've been responding to crime in this county for over a century without computers. I don't see why that needs to change now. The Union Gazette obtained a copy of the original contract, which included terms for new computers in every department squad car in the county, a cloud-based records management system, improved cybersecurity measures, software that automated federal and state data reporting requirements, and a new suite of services to manage the Human Resources Department. The contract also included software that automatically made transcripts of body cam evidence. The Union County Sheriff's Department does not currently deploy body cameras. Sheriff Kelly said that the costs were justified for the sake of public safety. The ultimate goal of this contract was to improve public safety through a more efficient use of taxpayer dollars with the aid of technology, said Kelly. Before this contract, we were mostly paper-based, except what state and federal law required to be digital. 
While the contract at issue has cost the county millions of dollars over the past six years, the most up-to-date FBI crime statistics for Union County indicate that property crime is up in the past two years and violent crime has held steady at historic lows. Kelly noted that when the contract was signed, the Sheriff's Department was bringing in significant revenue through a controversial tactic called asset forfeiture, which has been banned in some states. It wasn't until the recession began and tax revenue dried up that Kelly needed to shrink the department's overhead, including its payments to Lightforce. Through back-and-forth negotiations, the aggressive payment terms were done away with, saving the department over $250,000 in the first year alone, while still allowing the department to modernize, said Kelly. Sheriff, you've been in this community a long time, started Councilwoman Cecily Anders, who was just re-elected to an unprecedented eighth term on the council. And you know people come here because they want to be left alone, raise their families, and tend to their land. They don't want to be bothered by technology companies. I know I don't. Last night's meeting sparked council plans to further investigate the Sheriff's Department's contracting processes and the deal with Lightforce. It seems that yesterday's events might also have political implications. When reached for comment, Daryl Bryson, the union president which represents sheriff's deputies, was outraged. The law is clear that a law enforcement officer's discipline information is private information in our state, and here it is being bought and sold by our very own sheriff. He barked over the phone while out of state on vacation. As far as I'm concerned, if Sheriff Kelly can't uphold the law in his own office and protect our deputies, then it's time for a new sheriff to come to town. Kelly is up for re-election in November. Hello and welcome back to 40 Futures. I'm Jason Tache and I just got done reading this fictional news story about a sheriff that traded away his county's data for a better contract deal on some technology that he had purchased and could no longer afford within his budget. This is, I guess to be blunt, maybe the least sexy, probably the most likely entirely the least sexy of all of the stories that I put together in this particular series of 10. And I mean, at its core, it's about procurement. It's about how government agencies buy things. And that's just not something people want to talk about. It's not particularly interesting. It's about contracts and government sending out requirements to be able to buy the thing that they say that they need to do their job. The reason why I felt the need to bring this topic into the series is that I think it is a pretty critical upstream problem, especially now as technology gets more advanced, it's more sophisticated, and it's more invasive in in all sorts of ways. And I, I mean invasive both in the surveillance sense, but also invasive in the public policy sense. It's not it's not the technology of the 90s where you needed word processing, you needed Excel, you needed email, now technology being used by criminal justice agencies have a substantive policy angle to them that technology did not have before. And that's really critical to the procurement discussion because when it comes to procurement rules, these are the rules that are set up by government to buy things like chairs and pencils and things don't, that don't have an opinion. 
Now we are using those same rules to buy artificial intelligence software, data processing software, surveillance software, things that do have an opinion, things that have an impact on policy in a way that your email client didn't when these rules were created. As the technology gets more sophisticated and the rules don't keep up, there's all of this room for what I would consider abuse. So really, there were, there were three things in mind when I was putting this particular story together. So one is this idea that technology now has this substantive policy role that it didn't have before, which then opens up to the second point, which is that it's creating these bad contracts in law enforcement and other justice agencies. And the third point is that these technologies have pushed up against and have basically broken the existing oversight mechanisms that we have had. And we need to be considering new oversight mechanisms to be able to avoid these types of harms in the future. So I've already covered the first point in this particular discussion. And so I want to jump then into this bad contracts question. There's a lot of different examples, both by police, by prosecutors, by corrections, where Public process, public interest, public transparency, public access is signed away by these agencies to these technology vendors, and it's a disconcerting trend. We see this a lot in the algorithms uh, in criminal justice debate, whether it is risk assessment tools, probabilistic genotyping for comparing DNA analysis, predictive policing algorithms. All of these tools, most of these tools, I should say, are being built by private companies and they are using intellectual property protections to hide the secret sauce in that particular software that is making whatever decision that it is making. That is creating a legal black box around these decisions, how risk assessments work, how DNA is compared in these genotyping algorithms all kept out of public view, all kept out of the defendant's view. And when you think about DNA genotyping, that is evidence that's being used in court against a defendant. And as far as I'm concerned, not being able to interrogate the algorithm that's making that accusation against the defendant is a violation of the confrontation clause in the Sixth Amendment that you should be able to confront uh, anyone making an accusation towards you in an open court that should extend to these algorithms as well. And yet they don't. We see other weird contracting practices with these things called cell site simulators. These are an investigatory tool used by law enforcement that basically tricks cell phones to believe it's sending its information to a cell tower when in fact it is a fake cell tower being run by law enforcement. So then law enforcement can figure out where a person's device is. The company behind these tools has made police and prosecutors sign non-disclosure agreements, NDAs, to basically say they're not going to talk about it, they're not going to admit in open court that they are using them. Uh, and this is something that has been litigated in states like Maryland, uh, and that is a problem. Maryland opened up the door on that and they began to rectify the situation, but there's 49 other jurisdictions. I mean, the country has 18,000 law enforcement agencies, and you can be sure more than just a few have also signed NDAs to be able to use cell site technology. And the last type of disconcerting contract that I'm seeing opens up this question about data ownership and what happens when a vendor is brought in to build a record management system, a case management system to process data, public data of some variety, and then who owns it? 
And we are seeing increasingly that these companies are acting as if this public data, this data they are paid to process with public money, with taxpayer money, is theirs to do with as they please, and that they can charge the government agency access to their own data. And that's insane, and not the way that these particular contracts should be written. And yet, this is the reality. This is something that is happening. It's happening in courts. It's happening in police. It's happening in corrections. This is now in the status quo. This is today. And there are a number of links in the show notes if you want to go deeper on any of these particular issues. So if that's the standard, though, today, and we don't seem to have any particular interest in making it better, then the presumption is that these things will just get worse, which is where the story takes us. But I think one of the reasons why it gets worse, and this gets to the third point, is that the oversight mechanisms, the procurement, the way that we approach procurement is broken. It's it's broken for a number of reasons. One is that first point I made at the top of the show, which is we're basically handing off policy decisions now to procurement officers where that would not have been the case before, right? There's no policy decision on what type of table to buy. However, there is a policy decision implicit in the weights and values built into a risk assessment algorithm. And if a procurement officer is just told to get a risk assessment algorithm, then that is outsourcing the policy decisions that should be made by elected officials uh, to someone who is is not elected. I mean, this isn't to say that procurement officers aren't able to make those decisions. They certainly could be. But the rules that operate that part of the bureaucracy are not built to make those decisions because the sophistication is lacking in those rules. In procurement, for example, we don't have a box to check about whether or not a new tool could violate someone's criminal rights. Usually the discussion is around whether or not the product does the thing that the government needs the thing to do. And then second, is it a good bang for the buck? Is it you know the least expensive or, or near the least expensive of the proposals that were submitted by vendors. And that leaves out these other issues like data ownership and and the rights of defendants or the rights of the public to be able to inspect and access these systems and services. The last bit of this lack of oversight, I think, I think goes to a larger national trend. This isn't just a a justice thing. It's like we lack as a country comprehensive privacy, data privacy laws. And there are only even four states that have actually gone as far as passing some version of a data privacy law. But the fact that we do not have clear national rules about how data should be collected, processed, shared, and sold, I think exacerbates this particular issue, especially as we see it discussed in the story. As the story points out, it is unclear the legal authority that the sheriff had to be able to trade away that particular data. We can just assume Union County exists in a state without a clear data privacy law or at a minimum a data privacy law that does not extend to law enforcement within that gray area is going to create all sorts of trouble, not only in the public sector, but in the private sector as well. And so this lack of oversight on privacy, on technology sophistication, on the increased substantive impacts of technology on people 
that interact with government systems, whether it be the justice system or the welfare system or any other aspect of it, these all matter. And these are all going to have impacts as we don't deal with each of these, they begin to pile up and compound into a bigger, more tangled problem when it comes to the role of procurement and buying this technology and then protecting the people that are caught up in these systems going forward. And so I think that's how we get there. So long as we are not willing to deal with procurement and rethink its role, especially in regards to purchasing of technology, then stories like this, like this one in Union County, where the sheriff trades away the county's data, are only more likely to happen in the future, especially as, as digitization of these agencies only increases in the years to come. And so I think that's how we get there. And with that, I'd like to thank you for listening to another episode of 40 Futures. For links to what I talked about today, please check out justicetech.download. That is the URL. This is a project written, recorded, and produced by me, Jason Taché. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be back in your feed next Thursday. Until then, take care.